Thank you, Janet Lee. Wow. You sure do know how to sensationalize me with my likes on music. Those good, good old pieces. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello, everybody. So today, this is The Whisper of Satan, number or part 17. And the title today, The Birds, B-I-R-D-S, The Birds. Well, here we go. Let's look at Genesis 1.20. Elohim said, where it says God is actually from the word Elohim. Now there is a divide, as we've told you this, that as you get into the seventh chapter, uh, part the seventh day, pardon me, uh, you get into, um, instead of Elohim, you get into uh, God, Lord God, which is uh, the um, the Yahweh. So there's this de- definitely distinguished difference. Okay, Genesis one twenty. Elohim said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life. And the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmaments of the heaven. Now here in this instance, on the fifth day of creation, we have fowl being created from the waters. But then if we go to other scripture a little further into the Bible... When we get into the the Lord God, Yahweh, Genesis 2.19, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field <clears throat> and every fowl of the air. So now we have a difference. We have fowl that is being created from the waters And then later we have fowl, which is another way of saying birds, fowl that is created from out of the ground. Now, even though in the scriptural area, prior to the, the emergence of the Yahweh Lord creation, scripture epics, uh, it does say that let the the fowls or the birds uh, then go to the land and continue their multiplication. There is a big difference, though, between a creation that started in the waters and then moves on to the land than from a creation that begins out of the ground as the other beasts of the field were created out of the ground. So there is a distinguishable difference. Now, let's look at this. Let's take Genesis 1.20. Elohim said, let the waters, we could call that energies, but let's just leave it waters for now, bring forth abundantly the moving creature. So we need to know what those words are, moving creature. Well, very interesting. It comes from a Hebrew word called sharetz, sharetz. 
And sharetz uh, <coughs> is an interesting word. But what is really interesting is that the word abundantly, the moving, the word moving is sharetz, and creature is sharetz. So you have a doubling of the word sharetz. So it's reading like, let the waters <coughs> bring forth abundantly the moving creatures. It would be like, bring forth abundantly the sharetz, sharetz, a doubling of that. Now, there, that is not accidental. So now we have something special that is inferred here. We have a doubling of the word sharetz. And sharetz um, in 8318 um, can mean moving or can mean creature, um, <clears throat> can mean active mass of, of creatures, uh, can mean uh, in the in the in the uh, a root um, reference eighty three seventeen swarm creep c r e e p or creeping move free <coughs> all right now we want to take you somewhere that you most likely have never gone before, so hang and hold as we get to it. And the Bible says in this Genesis 2.9, where the creation is made out of the, out of the ground, um, and Adam named every living creature a breathing creature, Also, the word to breathe, and the and you could in Strong's Concordance Hebrew Dictionary fifty three fifteen and fifty three fourteen. Now earlier I quoted two uh, Strong's uh, numbers eighty three eighteen and eighty three seventeen. Those are Strong's Dictionary Hebrew numbers. So we have a definite distinction of the breathing thing that is mentioned here when we get into the Genesis 2.19 section as versus the Genesis 1.20 section. And it is quite interesting that these two charrettes are close together, the moving creature. It could be even moving creation. It have the same type of connotation, uh, you know, to, to uh, a very good close extent. That has life and the fowl that may fly. So there are two distinct things. There's the moving creature, uh, the moving creature that has life, the charret, charret, and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Now, we're going to look at this very closely because there is something very different, very involved, and very neat that has to do with the revelation of the birds. Now, let's talk about birds and the fact that they fly, and they are symbolic of many different things. 
which we'll cover that. But there is a very interesting scripture in Isaiah 31.5. And uh, let me skip just the uh, into Isaiah 31.4 at the bottom part of the scripture. So the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts come down to fight or came down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. The Lord of hosts came down to fight. Verse 5, as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will preserve it. Now, take notice that this is a war state of happening. And the term birds are being used in a sense of defensiveness and attack. And so as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Now we are getting a revelation here that is really important about birds. We are understanding that birds can mean something different than our little feathered friends that tweet, tweet, and go from branch to branch and limb to limb. But nevertheless, it is found scripturally to be important that the term birds are used because of what they represent. Now let's think of the flying concept. And let's think of intergalactic travel. Can you travel intergalactically by walking? Absolutely not. Can you travel intergalactically by ocean travel? Absolutely not. Can you travel intergalactically by swimming? Absolutely not. Can you travel intergalactically by ballooning? Absolutely not. What about bicycling? Absolutely not. So basically, there is no other kind of travel on the face of the earth that really represents anything close to something that would be galactic kind of navigation and travel, except the flying concept. And the critter, the creature, that has been used to represent the pattern on earth to human beings about being lifted up above the earth are birds. And here we see in this Isaiah chapter that I've given you and its expression how important it is that in Isaiah 31.5 that birds are represented as some kind of flying apparatus that is going to be used defensively and aggressively to go against invasive forces of the enemy. So now when we say bird... Bird doesn't just necessarily mean 
as I said, our little feathered friend tweeting in the branches. It's a pattern on earth that is representing a pattern in heaven. It's actually representing spacecraft. Well, here is a, a scripture that might just blow you away. Let me um, turn over to Psalms 91. And some of you may, may say, as people often do when I bring out verses like this, why I never heard I never heard that one before. I didn't know that was even in the Bible. Okay, so let's, let me read it. 91.4. He, in this case, he is by the context of what precedes it. It's talking about the Most High. And, and it says, I will say of the Lord in verse 2, and, uh, and he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. So we're talking about God when we say he. Okay, and now listen to what it says about he, about God. God shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth, wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Did you get that first part? God shall cover thee with his feathers. What do feathers belong to? Well, until just recently with these discoveries about some of the prehistoric dinosaurs, feathers have always just belonged to birds. And now there's, of course, a gigantic question as to whether or not those dinosaurs were, in fact, dinosauric birds. No doubt about that. But we never thought about God being a bird. He shall cover thee with his feathers. God has feathers. And under his wings. God has wings. We must not take this revelation too dimly or too softly because there is a deep of the deep here. Now, before we get into some explanatories about some of those things, let's look at, at this. All four Gospels, I repeat, all four Gospels, Mark 3.16, uh, pardon me, Matthew 3.16, Mark 1.19, Luke 3.22, and John 1.37, all tell the story about Jesus when he was baptized by John the Baptist, who had been told by God he would be able to know the Messiah, he'd be able to know the Son of God because a holy dove would descend and light upon him. 
Now, a dove, of course, is a bird. And so here we have a bird uh, happening on earth over Jesus Christ, verified in all four of the Gospels, being symbolically used in a very deep sense to represent the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. This thing about God having feathers and God having wings is taking on gravity. There is something very, very important about this. We have on the one side, on the fifth day of creation, the creation of fowl or birds. translation of creation totally different as we shall see from the scripture than was the intent of the angels of God that were operating with the 144,000 under Yaviel. Now let's just go to that Comparative, just to show you, because it is extremely interesting. Turn with me to Ezekiel 17. Ezekiel 17. And we're going to read something here, and I want you to grasp it, and I want you to, to deeply listen. The Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Sometimes we've got one human flab of flesh after another bringing messages. But sometimes the Bible says, hey, stop. The Holy Spirit is trying to say something. I want you to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So now, in the 17th chapter and the 22nd verse. Thus saith the Lord God, I will also take of the highest branch of the high cedar and will set it. I will crop off the top of his young twigs, a tender one, and will plant it high, plant it upon an high mountain and imminent. In the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, and it shall bring forth bows and bear fruit, and be a goodly cedar, and under it shall dwell all, A-L-L, shall dwell all fowl of every wing, in the shadow of the branches thereof shall they dwell. Now, does God have a plan? He has a plan that in these trees, later we will see that these are the 
trees of the garden. And that these trees of the Garden of Eden, you know, there was a plan that God had. And his plan was that, you know, in verse 24 of 17 Ezekiel, and all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, have brought down the high tree and exalted the low tree and have dri dried up the green tree and have made the dry tree to flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken it and done it. And in verse 23, and, and, and under it shall dwell all fowl of every wing in the shadow of the branches thereof shall they dwell shall they dwell. Aha, that's the plan. That's the plan. But does it work out? Well, let's see. Let me read Ezekiel 31, 9. And let's see what that says. 31, 9 says this. Let's start with verse 8. The cedars in the garden of God could not hide him. The fir trees were not like his, his bows and branches. And the chestnut trees were not like his branches. Nor any tree in the garden of God was likened to him in his beauty. I have made him fair by the multitude of his branches, so that all the trees of Eden that were in the garden of God envied him. Now you had the garden of God trees that we read about in this episode of Ezekiel seventeen twenty-two through 24. And the plan there for all of the birds of every kind to lodge in the trees of the garden of Eden. But the trees of the garden of Eden, they envied the trees that had been created by Lucifer in the Garden West because of their sheer beauty. And so what was what was the plan of of Lucifer? Well, verse nine, I read it again. I have made him fair by the multitude of his branches, so that all the trees of Eden that were in the garden of God envied him. Now we see that this plan of the garden of Eden that was the plan of the Lord Yahweh El, the Lord Yahweh was diffused. And it was diffused by this offset that Lucifer, Satan brought about. At that time, it was not Lucifer, Satan. It was just Lucifer brought about by Lucifer's personal creative translations. He had a different significant meaning in his thought input and thought transitions of creation than the 144,000 and Yahweh had.
And he put that into effect, and it was so beautiful, so beautiful. Well, you must be able to know and understand that addition to these trees, some of which were actually tree people we'll read about later, we discussed this last week, there were, there were birds, birds like that do not even exist on earth today, that were just splendidly gorgeous and beautiful, that could sing like angels, that could fly with such poise and that had appearances of such gorgeous beauty that of those birds and of those trees all enfolded in the beauty of the plan of Lucifer in his Luciferian translations. It stunned even the trees of God in the garden of God to the point they envied that beauty. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. So now, birds are not just something to scuff off. They incorporate beauty. They incorporate symbolism that even is a bearing and binding factor of acknowledgement of the descent of the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost. They infer an ability to reach beyond the highest mountains that earth has been able to shove up toward the sky. They represent the breath of being free to ascend. And that symbolically and figuratively and sensationally They produce a synthesis and a synthesis that actually no other critter on earth presents. The power to fly beyond the earth in an intergalactic pose. The power to fly back to the home from which we all came a long, long time ago. Who would dare to denounce that? Who would dare to sweep it away with some referendum of ignorant, boggling piddle when it was chosen by God as the very symbol over 
the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to be known by that symbol that he indeed was the Son of God and that he indeed was the one upon which the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost was being bestowed. And then we go back to that scripture that is so almost unbelievable to have been written. That God speaks of his feathers. In Psalms 91.4, God shall cover you with his feathers and his wings. So that as the dove, a bird, represents the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, it is even further taken to the second person of the Trinity in the sense of the feathers and the wings and has already covered the third person in the Trinity by being the emblem that overshadows Jesus Christ, the second person, and then being a total symbolism and syndesis of the Holy Spirit. Now, we must not play down the idea, the thought pattern, the revelation of the birds because there is something great, something great. Let's just breeze over some scriptures, you know. Genesis one twenty one continues the the Genesis one twenty revelation of the of the the fowls and the birds. And we'll just take a moment and we'll read that. Genesis one twenty one and God created great whales. Now it's interesting here that the word for whales is actually the very word for dragons. And it's more specifically a word for dragons than it really is for whales. Because whales are a fish. Whereas dragons are not. And every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundant after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. Now we notice there is a distinguishable addition here or addendum. Every winged fowl, F-O-W-L, after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Now we, in the teachings of the Holy Manifest, take out all those scriptures where it says, and God saw it was good as incorrect translation. But 
let's read this one more time. And God created great dragons or dinosaurs and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. We can begin to see that dragons had something to do with that same pour of energy for creation, the waters. And we find it interesting how that in Genesis, when we look at the scripture there, or pardon me, not Genesis, but Revelation, when we go to Revelation and, and we, we look at the, the scripture there, what is it that we find about the waters? Well, in Revelation 17, verse 15, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So now we have a connection again of waters, which is the very first connection of creation that began on the fifth day, which is the first day that critter creation and special kinds of creation actually happened. And ironically, it is the day that Lucifer takes over in the office of the morning star, which is actually the office of Yahweh, but he has been assigned that as a covering angel and begins to do these incredible creation things. So now we've got the listing of birds as being distinct from the listing of fowls. And that makes us really think. Well, that is not too difficult to understand for instance, if you go to um, Leviticus 20, uh, pardon me, Le Leviticus 11.20, where it talks that all fowls that creep on all fours shall be abominable to you. So we find that the word fowl also applies to critters. In other words, insects and bugs. And we can understand that going way, way back in creation, there was something that was being done, Lucifer was doing with insects. And we have done a teaching way in the past how that we said that first his angel agents began to make these various kinds of insects. And it would be from them that he would elongate them and enlarge them to make um, some of the dragons or, or the dinosaurs. This is still all going back to the waters of creation. But we see that in Leviticus 11.20 that fowls are used to describe additionally to be in birds. They can be exclusively uh, insects. And that there are some of these insects that are abominable to eat, but other of the insects, including, as it says in Leviticus, uh, Leviticus 11.22, you may eat the locust after his kind, the bald locust, the beetle, the grasshopper after his kind, which this also includes the praying mantis. This thing of the birds plays so many parts. 
in Leviticus 14, 50 through 53, when they had a plague of leprosy so bad it had invaded the house and the stones and the wood, they would sacrifice two birds, kill one and let one go free as a a sign of that house being delivered from the plague of leprosy. Then we have um, other interesting scriptures. Jeremiah 12, 9. Mine heritage is unto me as a speckled bird, and the birds around about are against her. There is a distinguished difference between some birds. Some birds are described as ravenous and, and hateful. Other birds are obviously uh, sacred, uh, represent uh, symbolically. And, and here we have this uh, heritage. This heritage is called the speckled bird. So there is a deep revelation on that. That's not just a revelation about Israel. That is a revelation about that symbology representing something as a pattern in heaven. And it is very, very important. So we're going to take a break, but let me read one more scripture. Jeremiah 4.23 I beheld the earth, and it was without form and void, and the heaven had no light. Jeremiah 4.25 I beheld, and there was no man, and all the birds of heaven were fled. Notice the difference. Man just seems to be extinct, has vanished. But the birds, they are shown to have fled. Take a break now, Janet Lee at the Baldwin Organ.
Again, again, again. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. You just made my day. All right, let's go on. Another scripture. Important. Revelations 18.2. And he cried with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, and it's become the whole of every, of every foul spirit and of every unclean and hateful bird. So we see, as I said just previously, that there is a distinguishable difference between kinds of birds. Some birds, even though they're birds, are hateful birds. And, and uh, they're foul, you know. And they're unclean, and they're abominable. Then there's, you know, Canticles 2.12. The time of the singing of the birds has come. That's a different kind of bird. So there are two different kinds of birds. And it's, it's amazing how the scriptures are so clear about that. Wings. Uh, Psalms 18.10. Um, rode on the cherub and did fly. You can look that up for some interesting uh, connections Hebrew Concordance Strong's fifty seven seventy four. Revelations eighteen thirteen. Angels flying through the midst of the heaven. This thing of flying and of wings and of feathers, I mean, you know, it's big time in the Bible. It's connected with angels. Revelations twelve fourteen, the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. This these two wings of this great eagle, if you remember reading in, in uh, Revelations 12, helps the woman escape from the flood. But also keep in mind that though this eagle is a great eagle, that the eagles, one of the birds listed, that's abominable to eat. It is an unclean bird. So now we have the fallen angels, the woman, the church, the fallen angels. But, you know, they've got help. But, you know... Their help is coming from unclean sources. These are not uh, so sacred and so holy that, that they're part of the untouchables because, you know, there has to be a, a medium uh, that can deal with the fallen state that the, uh, the uh, failed messengers are in. And so... This eagle that is being used uh, is, you know, uh, of the nature that, you know, it is an unclean uh, bird. That's why in the Bible there's times that God has used people like the Pharaoh, like Nebuchadnezzar, uh, you know, like like Tyrus. Uh, and these were, so to speak, like unclean, uh, undedicated uh, uh, persons. And yet God used them to further some of his will and some of his plan, uh, just like it explains using the eagle. Isaiah uh, 40, verse 31 says, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Uh, people want to jump in from, you know, uh, right back into being an ophanim instantly, uh, right back to having that same kind of glory, that same kind of ignition, uh, uh, ignition power. But, you know, it doesn't work that way. First, there is a provision in, in the eagle, uh, you know, uh, 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 
situation uh, of uh, experience. And uh, so uh, that equilibrium is going to have to be used first uh, to get you prepared to make that uh, final um, assignment and, and, and link and connection that you once had. So it's very interesting to understand this. Um, uh, the ophanim, uh, you know, is two wings, uh, just as the the eagle uh, the eagle status in uh, Revelations twelve fourteen shows it to be two wings. Now uh, let's just look at this thing while we're talking about the wings, which connects to the idea of birds. Uh, Revelations uh, four eight talks about the four beasts, which represent the four kinds of nations, kinds of people on the earth, four kinds of people, and um, uh, these four beasts each had six wings. Well, when you look in Isaiah six uh, uh, twenty one, I believe it is, you discover that the seraphim angels they're the six wing angels. So now. We are seeing that these four beasts, which represents, represent the four rivers, the four modern rivers of humanity, the four uh, winds, uh, the four, you know, uh, directions, uh, that that uh, the they are being uh, guardianshiped by the seraphim. Uh, in, in Ezekiel one six to eight. We find a different situation in which the cherubim are guardianshipping the people, and that each one of the cherubim had four wings. So we got the seraphim with six wings, the cherubim with four wings, and we've got the ophanim with two wings. Okay, and the Bible says in Revelations um, nineteen seventeen that one day when this great uh, settlement of of the divisions is is being brought into bear, and the war of the, uh, of the white horse and and the war of the uh, of the against the the red horse of war is uh, settled. Uh, that then the fowls will be called to the supper of God, and uh, that's very very important. So then we've got, and we're going to get into the locust man and the mantis man. And we we could call these flying android zams. So let's uh, let's move on because this is just getting ready to uh, really get interesting. Birds and and all their meanings are so very important uh, to really grasp it and really get the uh, whole effect of it because there's uh, there's so much in this message that's important. Well, you know, if we look at Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel four thirty three four, we find that he made some very displeasing statements about how great he was, and he had been warned by Daniel the seer that he had to be very careful, but he didn't really listen to Daniel, and so something happened to him. He began to metamorphosize mentally and physically. And the Bible says that he grew out of his fingers claws instead of fingernails. And there are different things that it describes it to show that what he really had, because his 
hair became thick like feathers. So he became a, a bird man in that metamorphosized state. So here we have a really great human being that by some uh, kind of metamorphosizing suddenly becomes like a bird, like a bird man. When we talk about the Paisan man, the first river uh, that is that is coming out of the of the Bible, um, we begin to realize that um, you know there was a bird man, there was bird men, uh, and you know everybody will picture in their own mind how that the the bird man looked. But as we get into the Strong's Concordance and uh, we check some of these things, you know, uh, like in Revelations 9, 2 through 11, uh, where, you know, it's, it's uh, giving some interesting scripture, which you get a chance you, you, can, you can read. Um, we, we, we come into some really neat references of Strong's Concordance Dictionary, like... Um, uh, 3671 from 3670 in the Hebrew. And it talks about um, the project laterally. And it means like, um, uh, you know, a bird or an army. So we find, we see that, that uh, a wing, uh, a lateral wing can represent a bird or it can represent a whole army. Now, keep that in mind on that scripture in Isaiah about uh, defending uh, Israel as birds flying. So we see then that um, all of these symbolisms, wings, feathers, flying, uh, birds, uh, they're, they're pretty deep and they're, they're pretty important to understand. And we begin to see that it's nothing to overlook and we have to understand that this thing about transferring and transforming and translation is a natural capability of satan because in second corinthians eleven fourteen, it says that that satan who is you know another name for the fallen lucifer uh is capable of transforming himself into an angel of light and as we look at the kind of scriptures for that in greek Strong's Concordance, 3345, the word transfer, transform, uh, comes up. Also um, in uh, Greek 3346, which is a root, uh, to transfer, to transport, to translate, uh, and also a connection uh, uh, of, of Strong's uh, Greek uh, 3331, 3331, for transposition, transferred, and translation. And this is where we use this word translation for Lucifer's atomic translation, which we are about to get into in a few minutes. That is, is so important of a, of a revelation. Um, we see that, um, you know, under the fowls, uh, uh, that, that there is like uh, this number... Uh, this number 51 um, uh, 32 to flash to uh, blossom to fly away 
from the quickness of motion to bud forth, so that flying is tied in with with blossoming. And, and this brings us back to the, the the revelations that we've taught, you know, uh, and and um, has has to do with some just awesome things about about the the uh, the hymn line of the priest and the various kind of infolds that they put around that and and uh, how that there was you know blossomings of those infolds and 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 all the the meanings that we've done uh, tremendous teachings on how that the feathers are all a part of that revelation and they're all a part of the word that means to flash which is also in the the seven thunders back before Genesis revelation, one of the words given for meaning uh, an angel to flash and, and to bud forth. Uh, it, it just is absolutely awesome how that all these revelations, they, they just connect and they go together and, and uh, in their connection, they really are uh, provocative and they are provisional so uh, we just uh, we thank God. Psalms one hundred four seven talks about the wings of the wind. Now we even have the wind with wings because we, wind is also one of the the four uh, winds of the earth, which is similar to the four uh, rivers, you know, and 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 various connections of the four, which represents the four kinds of humanity. So all those things begin to come together. Uh, it makes it extremely, extremely interesting. Now, um, as we we get into a little more of this uh, revelation, um, you know, we know that, that Satan's been uh, involved uh, in deceiving, you know, the whole world. It, it tells us that in the book of Revelation. And uh, we know that... Uh, the the white throne judgment has not happened, so uh, he's not under uh, total regulation of any kind. Uh, there's some limitations placed on him, but uh, you know he he still is uh, you know free to do a lot of the things that uh, that he wants to do, and uh, uh, we know that we don't even have the full revelation about Jesus Christ because in uh, Revelations nineteen twelve, it says there's a name written that no man knows but he himself. Uh, there, there's a whole revelation of this new name because that new name is going to tell us things, uh, you know that that uh, uh, is is about the Word of God, and and it's going to to re- to reveal these things in a very powerful, awesome way. Now, that brings us to where I wanted to get to next, and that is the Lucifer creation translations for flying Zam bird living creature spacecraft. Now, um, we understand that in Revelations 9-1, Lucifer, Satan, is given the key to the intervals or dimensions of the bottomless pit of a specific space. We understand in Revelations 9-2, he opens the bottomless pit 
and smoke arises from a great furnace, a furnace that somehow has found a foundational spot that doesn't just fall through the hole of the bottomless pit and is involved in manufacturing. And this smoke, the, the, the urgency and the, the volume of this production of the furnace is so great that, that the smoke arises and, uh, and it gives the indication that it, it's just an incredible amount of manufacturing going on because the smoke is voluminous. In Revelations 9.3, um, you know, uh, then there is a, a creation that happens uh, called the locust uh, uh, people. Uh, they're also called the, which is in the same family, the mantis people. And they have the power of a scorpion. Uh, they have a tail. Well, how many people would remember going way, way back in time when you first start hearing about the devil? Cartoons and pictures would always, um, you know, show them, portray them as a, a devil would have two horns and would have a tail. Well, this is a true example in the in the book of Revelations here of the tail being this scorpion's tail that has the power of a of a of a um, scorpion sting, and uh, now we're going to in just a little bit get into the rest of that revelation there in Revelation nine, but before we do, I want to give you some really interesting um, uh, word work. Um, one of the translations in Genesis when it st first starts talking about the, the making of, of uh, creations and over the waters and all that, it talks about brooded on the face of the waters. And that has been considered to be like a bird uh, brooding over her eggs. So there is a, an akin, a, a kinmanship, uh, an alignment of these scriptures and uh, all the things that... Uh, that they represent, uh, that keep going back to birds. And uh, this word, uh, sheretz, uh, is so important because uh, the versatility of what that word can represent, it, it can represent um, more developed creature life, even uh, animal, but it can also represent even little creatures. It can represent swarming, which can be the locusts, uh, it can represent uh, bacterium, uh, and in the manifest revelation, we show it to also represent this word, rather, sherets, to represent atoms, A-T-O-M-S, atoms. So as we think in terms of um, this revelation of it representing atoms, and representing, therefore, um, all of the um, uh, potential of creation in a very deep way by dealing with, with atoms. Now, for instance, if we think in terms of atoms having a kind of quantum consciousness, we would get into a new concept of matter, almost to some people being like a degree of magic. 
But this modulating ability that would be represented here in this uh, quantum consciousness uh, would be, you know, a capability to jump from one level to another level. So we have um, a virtual neural representing mental uh, system network uh, that overlaps the original one. Now think in terms that Lucifer is involved in this original verses that I shared with you and involved in the creation. And uh, in this sense of creation, he is getting ready to manufacture some birds, but not the kind of birds that have that tweet tweet in the branches, but the kind of birds that it described in Isaiah when I read to you about as birds flying. There was these spacecraft called birds that were going to come to the defense of Israel and, and be an awesome, powerful machines. Well, now, as we get into this thing dealing with atoms and, and, and Lucifer's, uh, you know, translation capabilities, um, we could sort of compare it to the, the nervous system uh, and its, um, you know, work and operations by means of synaptic messages. Um, its body capability of providing a superconductivity that allows uh, the messaging system to instantly move through a whole body of an entity. Uh, like, um, let's talk about the atoms. Each single atom wave can grow until its waves overlap other atoms and their waves. And these atoms uh, uh, being overlapped and um, uh, of, other, of each other uh, atom's waves eventually mo emerge. And after they merge, they occupy the same region in space. They travel at the same speed. Um, they uh, vibrate at the same frequency until they become indistinguishable from one another. They then behave as a whole, becoming uh, a whole uh, in, in their um, uh, identification and, and uh, they merge in such a way they, they become uh, individually indistinguishable from one another. Now, what was Satan doing? What was he doing on this creation when it had the double charret? Well, we're going to talk about it in a, a more simplistic manner than how Lucifer really did it at the time. But to give you an idea... Because one of the words when you look up this thing about charrettes is, um, is creep or creeping. And that, believe it or not, is a scientific term that applies uh, to atomic uh, 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 changes. Like, for instance, uh, they have discovered there are ways to affect a cluster uh, of, of, um, of atoms. For instance, like a crystal lattice, uh, they 
can create what's called a diffusion creep. There the word creep comes in. Or a dislocation creep. There again the word creep comes in. And as they do these dislocation uh, creeps in which the speed of the atoms have been slowed way down, and as this begins to take place uh, due to the movement, remember the word movement as part of the meaning of the word charrette, uh, then uh, this movement helps bring about a dislocation of of the crystalline lattice. So as we are dealing with then alien particles in the sense that what was the original crystal lattice has become uh, diffused by these creeping episodes and that then creates what's called vacancies. Now vacancies are um, almost like interstitial things where there was something that filled a certain space but then all of a sudden uh, it has been dislocated and there's nothing there that is filling that space at the moment, and so it is a vacancy. And then there is the input where those vacancies begin to be filled with other kinds of um, atomic and molecular uh, aspect. So this is how this creation is going on. As you take a certain lattice that is a certain uh, specific uh, design and you begin to uh, bring the creeping sensations that happen and the creeping things are necessary to slow down the atoms so that you can create the dislocations and the vacancies that will be then used to to uh, further create the object that you are manufacturing. So then as you begin to overcome the differential the differential of the stress of these operations and actions um, then you begin to produce your pref- preferred lattice orientation and and uh, this is all done by by the the, the creep of a flux and and it becomes an atom- an atomic transport uh, uh, you know and using you know uh, different uh, options to slow the atoms down uh, in order to um, uh, to to um, uh, uh, de- create a microscopic structure uh, of design that can be strengthened uh, so that it is uh, almost perpetual in its manufacture, and part of being able to accomplish this is a thing that. Lucifer used called called backward velocity. Now, I know this is a little bit technical, but just listen to it. And as you listen to it and get to hear more of it, uh, it will make more and more more and more sense to you. Let's just go and see what kind of creation that we're talking about. Go with me now to Revelations nine. I'm going to read from there. Revelations nine. And here is what I want to share. Uh, Now we're at Revelations 9, and here's what I want to share um, in this Revelations 9. In fact, um, let's back up a little further. Let's start with with, uh, number 7, verse 7 of chapter 9. 
and the shapes of the locusts were likened to to horses prepared unto battle. Now this is a battle machine. Now the horse has always been used as a symbolism, uh, you know, for for. Uh, power. Like when you talk about your automobile, you talk about how many horsepower that it has. Uh, and, and pulling wagons or, or all that kind of things. They, depending on the load, the size of what they were pulling, it took more horses. That was horsepower. So we're talking about you know something of a major size, uh, something living, and, and something that is prepared for battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were the faces of men. Now, these entities had a living life android type of configuration. They had, they looked, they, 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 could, they could at time, times look like men, and, and their shapes uh, had various different descriptions, which I'll read. Verse 8, And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates, as it were breastplates of iron. Now we're getting into a special kind of of uh, manufacturing, of a special kind of of uh, mechanism that is a substance. They, they don't know what to call it. This is very advanced. So they say, uh, as it were, breastplates of iron. They don't say that it is breastplates of iron, but they're saying it has substantia, substantiality to it and it has strength. And so now we're talking about all of this backward velocity creation and these vacancies and, and dislocations that atomically created a new lattice so that the, he, the Lucifer is making a living machine. This machine can repair itself. This machine can think. This machine becomes so known to the to the engineers or the pilots that uh, that it can it it does not need uh, 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 buttons to press or levers to move. Uh, it it can respond just to the neuron activity of the brain because it has this incredible ability. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings. Now, we got wings here. The sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. You're talking about the creation of a ZAM. This is a creation of a ZAM, a flying machine that is a living machine. It can change shapes, it can change forms, and it has human intelligence that is superhuman intelligence. And they had tails like scorpions, and they were there were stings in their tails, and they had power to hurt men for five uh, months, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. Now, we have the story there, and it is clearly told. We have the story showing that on that day of creation, going way back, when I read to you about the two separate but bonded sarets for the moving and the creature or creation, what Lucifer decided to do first was create what he needed for invasion power. He wanted 
a faster type of spacecraft than had ever been used or created. He wanted something that was actually living, that he could actually talk to, and it was had intelligence, and and uh, it it had personification, and could change its shape, and could reconfigure itself by dislocating these vacancies and moving one particleization of these new types of of. Uh, mineral uh, energies and and mineral substances uh, to take on different forms that would give different kinds of of fitting and and different kinds of shapes and that was the first birds that was being made by Lucifer through his translation creation. He decided to make it, and for, like the scripture in Isaiah 31 said, you know, these as birds flying, these machines were defense and attack weapons, and they called them birds as birds flying, and this was like uh, these were like birds. This was like the Python man, but a super Python man who could take and change shapes, an android type that was part robotic part part had some capability of of flesh uh, at times but, but mostly uh, these various kinds of of metal like substance that could go through uh, the atmosphere at incredible speeds and even then eventually uh, at speeds in which they would disperse uh, their uh, their physical shape into just like rays uh, passing uh, great velocities through space. This was the incredible ZAM uh, 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 fleet and that uh, uh, Lucifer's uh, creative translations decided to make. They were called, they were called birds. They were called birds. And this revelation is described in Revelations 9, 7 through 11 that I read to you. And there is nothing just like it. There is nothing just like it on the, on the, the face of creation. And, and I could go into more and more of that, but I think, you know, I have probably covered enough. And I think that, that as we get into these revelations of, uh, of the, the transpositions, and the transferred uh, 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 and the ability to de-establish uh, various uh, laws of nature and change and remove them via this uh, this translation. These interval um, capabilities that uh, Satan was able to go into via the different dimensional uh, uh, sequences and intervals uh, allowed him uh, to dispense, you know, uh, dispense uh, things at a, a, a precedence uh, of of length uh, and of length and number of lattice changes that there was nothing uh, comparable at the time, and so it's interesting and it's exciting that when we understand. There's intervals that are 30-fold, intervals that are 60-fold, intervals 
that are hundredfold, uh, which includes the space between uh, the letters of the Bible. For instance, when we look at the letters of the Bible, and we think that the only significance there is the letter itself, but that is not true. Like some letters may only have four letters. Some words may only have four letters, and then it has a space. And then there's another uh, word with six or eight letters and then a space. That differentiation of space creates a rhythm and creates a differentiation of interval. In that sense, there is a likeness to how this kind of creation with backward velocity and all these dislocations and 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 the making of um, of these vacancies were used to create this machine, this flying machine called a zam, uh, that that uh, uh, you know was was a um, a bird uh, to be used in the wars in the Star Wars that that would lie ahead. He knew this was coming. He was preparing for it. And then it was further, uh, in a later time, uh, uh, carried on and developed. And it, it has to do with the, the locust uh, man and the mantis man. And the description has to do with these, these living machines uh, that are called locusts and mantis. And it's an awesome story. The story of the birds uh, cannot just be finished in this short time uh, of this teaching. But you've got enough of it that it is sensational about the creative part of it. Sensational about the beauty part of it. Sensational about how the, the configurative aspect of stealing away from God God's plan to create a, a tree in the Garden of Eden. And in this Garden of Eden, there be a place for all the fowl and all the birds to, to, to be under the shadow of the protection of God on their branches and on their limbs. And how that Satan made a plan to entice humans that were fallen over him away and to follow him and believe him. And how, as it says in Ephesians 6, chapter 12, I believe it is, that the war is not just the flesh and blood thing, but it's a war against powers of light and powers of darkness, against principalities. And so now, that is the story. And that is where we are taking you for today. And we're closing this message, the birds, with a lot given to you to think about and concentrate on and be excited about that you have been given this revelation and it is a revelation of revelations. God bless you. We love you. Janet Lee.